I'm Eric Chemi, and this is Politely Pushy. Mai Wong is my guest today, and I'm really excited for this because you are the producer, the documentarian, or the executive producer, whatever we call the right word, you'll, you'll correct me, a movie called Cat Daddies, which is out right now. When I first saw the title, I was concerned, is this like some sort of adult, you know, like it, Cat Daddies, it made me concerned that I looked into it, oh, Oh, it's for guys that that owned cats. And I had a cat for a while, only lasted a year. For we'll, we'll get into that later. So I was like, okay, I get this. This is fun. I appreciate this. So my welcome to the show. I know you've got some cats right now walking around in the background there, but yeah, I guess it's that's funny. perfect I, for today. I get that a lot about the title. Um, you know, like is this something kinky? But I'm like, no, no, no. But <laughs> you know, I just feel like like we need to take the name back. We need to take Cat Daddy's back give it back to the cat community. <laughs> how did you, how did you come up with this idea? Um, I've, I'm weirdly obsessed with men and their cats, um, images and things on social media. It's kind of turned into a bit of a movement. More men are proud to be cat lovers and they just, some men unabashedly love their cats and they love to share photos and videos of that. And I'm just one of those people that just is just addicted to it. And it really, really makes me happy. And at the same time, you know, I had my own experience with my husband who, when we were dating, he, he was not a cat guy at all. And then one day a cat found him just kept coming back for food and and he was hooked. It only took a week. There was, it was no influence of mine. And it was just astonishing for us to both discover something new about him. You know, you think you know yourself and, you know, life is full of surprises. And I think men have been conditioned for so long to not love cats or not consider them as a pet that I think a lot of men don't know that they could have this within them and that there are benefits. I think for men to owning a cat. What, what is it about the men and cat combo? Cause I think we agree. There's the stereotype that like women will have a cat, right? Like that's, that's much more likely to be that, but the stereotype, the man with the cat, it, you know, it's not like the manly man with the dog, right? It's like we go hunting and fishing and we have the dog. So, so what is it about the cat that it's just because they're smaller? Is it because their attitude, the cat has a little bit of a different attitude than the dog? What, what is it that the stereotype has worked against, you know, in the past, a man being proud of owning a cat? But like you're saying, that that's starting to shift now. Yeah, I think cat, uh, dogs, sorry, have always been seen as the protector, more of like, um, you know, security and just somehow more, more masculine, where as cats are they do have more fem feminine movement and they are difficult they're a little more challenging i'd have to say to bond with um you do have to earn their trust um you do have to be more patient more gentle it requires a certain amount of tenderness um which is i think is great qualities for men to have and is what um appeals to me uh, and so I think that's a lot of it. And I also think we don't really see what it's really like to own a cat. Um, we don't see them on the street and dog parks, things like that. So all if you don't own one, all you see is what you see in movies and TV, which is a pretty um, inaccurate depiction of them because a lot of times they are hard to, harder to train and, you know, harder to work with in movies and television. I mean, I can tell you firsthand that it's, it's not, 
it's not easy <laughs> to direct cats. They don't want to be directed. And so, uh, so I think that's a lot of it. There's misconceptions about cats in general. And, you know, it takes a movie like this one uh, to really see them in their most natural sort of intimate state of being and the relationships that you see with the men uh, and their kitties. Uh, yeah, I think it's something I, I hope my documentary is, is special in that way because it is it is difficult to capture. And so I think a lot of people don't know um, what, what it's like. Why did you decide I need to make a movie about this? And how many years ago was the idea of making a movie from idea? And then how long did it take to go from idea to actually putting it all together? So I, I'm a cat lover and I'm a cinephile. I'm a filmmaker and I've always been dabbling in the narrative filmmaking world um, for probably like 20 years, but um, mostly devoted to survival jobs and, and things that I need to do to get by. And I just, as a cinephile and a cat lover, I wanted to see a movie like this. Um, so it's really purely self selfish motivation. Um, I want to see, I love cat content. I love cat videos as much as anyone else, but I love being in the theater space and seeing um, cat cinema. And I, I love seeing it with other people in an audience. There's just nothing quite like it. Had, so had you done a movie before? And, had, uh, sorry to jump in. Yeah, I've done before. some films before. Okay. And I also, um, what, I produced a lot. So my husband's also a filmmaker and we okay. work together a lot. So a lot of times he's directing, I'm producing. And in 2018, this was an idea of mine. It, it was purely an idea. And the more I talked about it with other people, especially other men, some of them don't even own a cat at all. They really sparked to it. And I think that whenever you have a creative idea and you really, you find that a lot of people are sparking to it, um, there may be something there. And so I did get some help from my husband and some um, another partner that we have to kind of put up the seed money to get started. So we started shooting in 2019 and then we used that footage to kind of make like a sizzle, sizzle reel um, to show and raise money. So we used that to raise more money and we were crowdfunding. And then we were scheduled to finish April, 2020 was when we were supposed to finished filming and then we all know what happened there and then we were so close i know we were, we were so close so close and then became so far because a lot of actual some of the men that were supposed to be in the film actually dropped out or we couldn't travel to them so we had to take them out of the mix and and a lot of a lot of little things like that can change everything in the course of a film cuz i kind of like had it pre-written in my mind what it was going to be like. And then it totally changed. The movie actually changed tonally. And there were times during that year that I wondered if I could even pull this off, like all the ingredients, right, are different now. <laughs> and so um, because we were dealing with pandemic and some of those issues of mental health and, and you know, the, even the wildfires and everything that was going on that year kind of just it couldn't be ignored, you know, it was coming out in the interviews more and more. And so it really shifted everything, just the whole mood um, of that year just shifted the movie. And, but I still, I still had to make something. I still had to finish because I was beholden to so many people who donated their time and money. Um, 
so we had to finish so i'm just i'm just thrilled that it's connecting with people because we almost couldn't have a movie you're like thank god this is done <laughs> yeah just so briefly to summarize what was the tone originally if you had to summarize it in a phrase and then what was the tone in the end result i would say like it was more it was a more light and quirky more um more vignettes that don't really go together except that they're all you know i just wanted to make people laugh right and make right. people like that was um, the intent the original intent was a, a light, yeah. fun movie yeah yeah and all of that is still there like if you see this in the theater there's tons of laughter there's all of that um but then it becomes extremely heartwarming and inspiring and there's there's some stories that come out of there um that just I, I guess like a lot of people are saying it's quite poignant for a cat movie. Like I think it's taken us all by surprise and it wasn't by design originally, but it's sort of like, like any good documentary, like it'll rewrite itself. The story rewrites itself. Right. And you just don't have control. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. It kind of like became, it, it just came into its own. How much, how much else changed because of COVID, right? So you've had some people drop out. The tone has changed. The travel is more difficult. Probably recording is more difficult. What else about COVID changed your original plans? I'd say two things. One is that like during 2020, like I was in touch with all the cat dads to a point. And at some point, a few of them just went off the grid like totally MIA and I couldn't, I couldn't get a response from them. Um, that's all changed now, two years later, like we're all in contact. They've all seen the film, but there was a period of time where I was just like, really also really worried about them. Um, and some of them, like I needed them to sign a form. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I did have to sign a form, form, but are you but dead? Right. Like I'm worried. Like, yeah, dead, I'm worried I about what, yeah. what's going on. And then it just turned out to be like they just decided not to to do social media and like and like they just had like a lot of personal busyness and things going on and you know, work stuff and work stress and things like that. Um, which totally understandable. I mean, we all had that. Well, and then the right back thing, to my email. So like, can you just respond to my email? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean it's funny because like you have that in I'd had that in this film, but I also had it personally too, where friends just sort of sort of disappeared, right? And and you don't know what's happened to them. Uh so that is so that's kind of some weirdness of that year. And then the other thing was like it it was partially hard to finish. I think for anyone creative, um, artistic during that year is a difficult year because you know, you question what you're doing and whether what you're doing has any value because we're in a pandemic and it doesn't feel like we're contributing. Like a lot of soul you know? searching, right? Is this important to society? Is this yes, how I want to and, spend my life with this job? It doesn't matter what your job is, right? It could be yeah. any job from the lowest job up to a CEO, right? Like, is this how I want to spend my time 24 seven? Yeah. And as creatives, especially, it was just like a really depressing time and, 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 of all things that I'm doing, I'm, I'm making this cat documentary, like what, <laughs> you know, how is this going to help society? Um, you know, at the time feeling pretty lost and then not even knowing if I could finish, but you know, now that 
that's over and now that it's out and now that people are connecting to it and seeing it multiple times and writing to me or coming up to me. Um, yeah, I see it's totally worth it. I see, I see the difference it makes and the inspiration that it it's created just from people learning the stories about these men. I want to get into the response part in a second, but just real quickly, how did you recruit these people? Because you mentioned the recruiting and some dropped out. You had to find more. Was there a casting call? Did you, did you reach out no. to people, friends of friends? How, how did you no. get these people? How'd they find you? Just, just Instagram stalking. Okay. <laughs> so if people were posting, if people were posting yeah. on social media with them and their cat, then you thought, okay, if they're willing to post, they're probably willing to be in a movie too. So some of them I was already following. Okay. Um, some of them have a really robust social media following. So I was already familiar and I thought, oh, it'd be so cool to have this guy and that guy or this cat and that cat in a movie on the big screen. And then um, if I had some holes, like geographically, because I wanted to mix it up, I went, I searched some hashtags like cat dads, men with men with cats. And it just takes you down like this long rabbit hole of this endless possibilities all over the world but from there i could sort of like you know kind of pre-cast people from like what i see in their instagram i can kind of see where they live what kind of environment all the cats had to be different all the guys had to look and sound different they had to um have a pretty well socialized cat so if they're already doing all that on instagram and showing their cat then chances are pretty good that they're going to be open to share more and that their cat is going to be okay with a strange crew coming in. So that was helpful. But there was one man, um, there's a homeless man who was living on the streets of New York with his cat, and he was completely a tip. Um, there were a lot of cat ladies that were trying to help him for years get off the street. And one of the women just somehow found out about my project on the internet and said like, I've got the guy for you. Please meet my friend, put him in your movie. Maybe this will help. You're not going to meet a guy more devoted to his cat. And she was right. I met him and I just instantly melted because, you know, he told me that the only reason he, he continues to keep going is, is for his cat. Um, it's the only thing he has. And that really got me. And uh, and so we just, I said, I don't know if this is going to work because tonally this already doesn't work for my movie, but we got to do something and we got to meet this guy and this amazing cat who, yeah, is just so, so amazing on screen. Like, like, yeah, there's just so much dignity in this little cat who's so loyal and devoted to him. And we had to capture that. So that's, that's kind of how that all worked out. <laughs> that's a, that's certainly a touching story. So just some random business questions, because I, I come from a business background. I'm always curious how this works. Do you have to pay the people to be part of the movie or is it just they volunteer? How does that work? No. So in the documentary field, it's actually frowned upon to pay your subjects. Although some people do it. I think they, they pay them sometimes an honorarium or something. Um, but it's kind of frowned upon, right? Because you're making a documentary. You don't, you just want to capture everyone as accurately and naturally as possible. And you don't really want money 
to get in between that, if that makes sense. Right, because it's more of a news story. You wouldn't pay a news guest, but exactly like after you would pay because it's all fake, right? It's it's meant to be entertainment. So it's this is closer to journalism in that sense. Um, the the budgeting, the business model, like you mentioned, crowdfunding. How do you budget for something like this, and and how do you make sure you stick to that budget with with costs that can be unexpected? Yeah. So luckily, I. I have a lot of experience making micro budget films. So, you know, this definitely wasn't my first rodeo, but it was my first documentary. I knew kind of like I could reverse engineer it a little bit. Like I could, I kind of know from past experience, okay, this movie, you know, is going to probably make this much based on this, this, and that. So let me make sure my budget does not go over that, if that makes sense. And so it's a lot of me working for free for a number of years. It's a lot of asking for favors, just pulling strings because this, you know, filmmaking is probably one of the most expensive things you could do out there. But luckily, I just had enough experience and a good team and really just passion, passionate people who weren't, no, you know, no one was in it doing this for money. We we're just doing it because we love cats. And because there's a lot of good that we could do with this movie, um, not only help the man who's who was living on the streets, but also help shine a light on a lot of cat rescues, some of which are are um, depicted in the film. So I think it's just like purely passion, really. It's really funded by that more than money, I'd say, because like the hard cost of this is very, very low. But if you take into account all the favors right and all right. of the free work and and time and labor that goes into it um then the cost is huge right if uh, you had to pay everybody their real rate yeah like a, like in a typical big budget you know no expenses spared kind of thing it would it, re, it would add up yes and um i don't know if you want to go into the theatrical component that i'm doing but i'm self-releasing theatrically that that's that was going to be my next question yeah. let's talk about the distribution here because we're in a very weird world about mm -hmm. theatrical streaming you know owning content going with the distributor let's talk about all that yeah so uh i luckily i I've done this before again. In the I think that you have, right? Like I think a lot of people husband, think yeah. they're going to just show up and do a documentary that have never done a, a movie before. And they probably just get blown out of water where at least you yeah. knew exactly what you were doing. My guess is a lot of people think, Oh, I can do this. Or they, they want to do it as a vanity project and they just, they never succeed. Yeah. And we, I've actually done self theatrical before. Um, I've done like that hybrid distribution before with my husband's films. And so we kind of knew what to expect a little bit. Now uh, we did end up, we are spending more money on the theatrical, getting this out in a few theaters, probably than making the movie. But the secret weapon is that I was able to get a sponsor to pay for most of this. So a lot of the advertising, Oh, uh, you know, my six foot standy that's sitting in the theater, um, <laughs> shipping, like a lot of these expenses, the cost of getting your movie out into theaters was it was a cat brand sponsor. And I met this sponsor along the way on my um, film festival journey. And this person just happened to be in the audience at a really great film festival. And the turnout was great. And and they had an amazing time and they contacted me later and 
we just kind of started building this relationship of working together. And, and, you know, when I went to that sponsor for this idea of getting it out in theaters, they were fully on board and, and it's worked out great. Who's the sponsor? We got to get them a plug. Oh, it's Meowtel, which is in the Bay area. It's a cat sitting app. Okay. Okay. And so, so you got to get the sponsor. Then I you mean, can put it in theaters. If you didn't, if you didn't have the sponsor, would you still have, would you still have done a theatrical release? Probably because having this in the theater was so, so important to me. I probably would have done it anyway, but I don't know if it would have been as successful as it has been. Um, we ended up being the, the third uh, in the country for box office uh, theater per, per screen or wow. theater. Yeah. The box right. office for the uh, per theater average. Pure, so right, that means you, that means they're, they're filling up seats, right? Like these are crowded shows, right? If you're getting a high right. theater average. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. we're only on one right now. We're only on one theater in the country and that one theater, um, you know, if you average out the grosses with the number of theaters movies are in, right. like we're number three. And that was a huge splash, especially during the pandemic. Um, I think, I think we surprised like a lot of people, you know, for something that they consider as being such a niche you know, uh, subject matter and documentary, you know, cause it's not like documentaries are pulling in a lot of money at the box office. So right. this doesn't have the profile of a, you know, big revenue type of blockbuster, right? It's not what yeah. we're typically seeing at the top. So how does it work just for our normal people in the audience? The producer has to pay the theater to run the, run the movie. But I thought the theater, if anything, I thought the theater pays you to have the movie because then they'll sell the tickets and make money that way. So who's paying who to get this movie in the theater? So um, it can be a mix of things. I can't speak for everyone, but in my situation, um, because I'm coming in during a really crowded award season, um, I did have to forewall my theater in New York, which means I book it for a week and I pay a flat amount uh, which is a lot in New York. It's one of, it's the most expensive place to open a movie. Um, and then you just hope that you do fine or you don't, or I think a lot of people know that I'm not going to make any money, but I really need the prestige of opening in New York city. Right. right. Um, you know, luckily I'm on, I'm on the positive side of, of that but uh but yeah it's a gamble but you know and then there's some cases that if they did have room i think they would have taken the film and split the box office with me but then um all the other cities i'm opening with um i'm not for walling and they're just splitting we're just splitting the box office together so there's a supply and demand of you know their availability of space yeah, how many movies are right. out there what the marketplace is that particular season yeah timing's pretty important for this, what's uh, the industry. what's the streaming strategy for you? Do you want to get through the theaters first, then you put it online or a certain platform? How, how are you looking at that? So I do have a distributor, a boutique distributor that is going to be doing all the VOD, all the you know, Blu-ray, the the all the online sales, all that, um, and they are expecting to roll it out. Um, early next year, although we're it's negotiable and it kind of depends on how this theatrical rollout ends up being. Um, but they're really thrilled with the first weekend results and they're actually asking to see if I 
can, if I'm willing to start pre-sales on VOD now um, and getting the word out early, because normally you would only do that maybe a few weeks or a month in advance. And they're, they're wanting to do it two or three months in advance so that people can go ahead and order now, even though the movie may not be out for several months. What, what has surprised you about the response from viewers? Just something you weren't expecting in terms of how you know, they would react, how they would be inspired by the movie. Yeah, people who are passionate about this film are really, really passionate. And they're always sending me messages and pictures. And um, I, someone sent a picture of just some random, like, chalkboard sign on the street of New York, like, that belonged to like some kind of wine bar and it had like little bits of news like in chalk on this chalkboard. And one of the things they had written out was cat daddy's new documentary now playing about men. And it just like wrote out what it's about. And like, this is a wine bar that has like nothing to do with cats. This is really <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> So I was just like, wow, this movie is really getting into the zeitgeist, you know, to see things like that. That's, that's amazing. So what's next now that you're, you're almost at the finish line here in terms of your effort, your work, getting it through the theaters, getting it out there. Do you, do you do cat mommies? You do cat daddies too? The, the, the sequel? I've been asked, I've been asked for all those things. And, uh, you know, I would, I, you know, Cat Daddies Two could be a thing. I don't. I wouldn't mind. And sounds like all the guys are on board to do that. But um, you know, I was at a film festival recently, and it took place. One of the venues was inside an IMAX dome theater, and I noticed that normally, when the film festival is not going on, they're showing a dog movie on IMAX. It's like some documentary about rescue dogs in Canada, <laughs> and I thought hmm, maybe this should be next. Maybe the cat lover should have a cat movie in IMAX. <laughs> that's great. Maybe Maya, that's this, the next frontier. Well, we'll have to see. We're going to have to stay tuned, see what you come up with next. Maya. This has been fascinating. What a great idea. I'm glad that you you did it, right? You said, this is the movie I want to see. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make the movie that I want to see. And this is the way I want to see it. I want to see in the theater. And that's how I want everyone else to see it. This is amazing. So thank you so much for the time today. I'm blown away. I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation. Thank you so much, Mai. Thanks, Eric. Thank you to my guest and thanks for listening. Subscribe to get the latest episodes each week and we'll see you next time.